Allah, let us kindly move closer together as we've completing our sunnah. Please move as close as possible. Sisters as well, if we can sit as close as possible. Sure, there's no gaps in between. Just like the salah is performed without any gaps, let us also ensure whenever we sit for the gathering of knowledge and dhikr that we sit as close as possible. Uh, the angels of mercy are descending upon us and we want to ensure that there's no gaps between us as to let Allah forbid uh, protect ourselves from being affected by shaitan coming in between us. As Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam would make a strong emphasis every single time salah would be uh, established to ensure that people are standing shoulder to shoulder and that there are no gaps in between. And the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam mentioned that if, they, if those gaps are there, then there's a chance that the hearts may turn against one another and the shaitan may have a, a spot there. So when we uh, sit for gatherings of knowledge and dhikr as well, let us always uh, keep that in mind. And since we are also beginning uh, also a new surah and we're coming back after a few weeks of break, let us renew our intention that we're here to please Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, as in this dars of Qur'an as we are studying, that we are showing our utmost sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah to the barakah of the Qur'an, allow all of us here to gain a much deeper understanding of the Qur'an than we did previously. And the Qur'an definitely has these solutions to all of our issues, or we simply have to look for it. So we're hoping that this dars, inshallah, could be a means of myself and all of us here, getting a better understanding of the secrets that the Qur'an holds for solutions to our problems and the problems of mankind. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He allows us to share and hear such things in this dars, that will be a means of rejuvenating our iman and re- re- answering our questions, removing our doubts, and strengthening our relationship with Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Amin. Additionally, we should all make niyyah that whatever we hear of benefit, we will immediately put into practice, and we'll also share it with others as well. Inshallah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قد أفلح المؤمنون الذين هم في صلاتهم خاشعون والذين هم عن اللغو معرضون والذين هم للزكاة فاعلون والذين هم لفروجهم حافظون إلا على أزواجهم أو ما ملكت أيمانهم فإنهم غير ملومين فمن ابتغى وراء ذلك فأولئك هم العادون والذين هم لأماناتهم وعهدهم راعون والذين هم على صلاتهم يحافظون أولئك هم الوارثون الذين يرثون الفردوس هم فيها خالدون صدق الله العظيم After completing Surah Al-Anbiya uh, Alhamdulillah we're moving on now to this next section uh, Next Surah, Surah Al-Mu'minun Which inshallah we will be covering till Ramadan And hopefully will be completed inshallah right before Ramadan Starts, which is only about two months away, and the surah Mu'minun uh, is the the surah. The name itself means the surah of the, 
describing the believers. And the name Al Al Mu'minun, this is the proper name of the surah. So, the students of the Arabic language, you may be wondering when we say Suratul Mu'minun, why don't we not say Suratul Mu'minin? Because Surah is Mudaf and Al Mu'minin is Mudafilay. So, we should just say Suratul Mu'minin, the Surah of the believers. And the answer to that is Al Mu'minun is the proper name of the Surah. You, can't, you cannot play around with that. Al Mu'minun is the actual proper name of the Surah. Hence, it will remain in the state of Rafa, even if it's Mudafilay. It will be called Suratul Mu'minun. You will not change it to Suratul Mu'minin. That is just a point for the students of knowledge here of Arabic language. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in this surah, from amongst the many things, the first page and the first uh, ayats of this surah focus on the traits of the believers by virtue of which they will become successful in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet ﷺ is narrated in a report mentioned by Imam Tirmidhi on the authority of Umar radiallahu anhu. He said, Unzila alayya ashru ayatin man aqamahun, man aqamahun jannah. Ten verses have been revealed to me. Whoever establishes them shall enter paradise. And then he recited, He began reciting until he completed ten verses. So the one who inculcates these ten qualities within himself on the words of on the uh, on, by the words of Allah and the words of Rasulullah this man is successful. قد أفلح المؤمنون قد this is a a word used to emphasize the sentence that follows it. Interesting is the word قد. If قد comes before a uh, past tense verb. It comes in the meaning of most definitely. Aflaha is a past tense. Qad aflaha al-mu'minun, most definitely, truly, the believers shall attain and realize everlasting success. However, if the same word qad comes prior to a mudari', a verb that gives you the meaning of present or future, then the meaning completely changes. And it gives you the meaning of possibly, uh, maybe, uh, you know, not necessarily d- definite for sure. Complete opposite. For example, say, um, you know, قَدْ يُفْلِحُ الْإِنسَانِ إِذَا لَمْ يَدْرُسْ جَيِّدًا It is possible that a person may be successful even if he doesn't study. Right? It's possible. True. It's possible. So, when it comes with a present tense verb, the meaning changes to possibly. When it comes to the past tense verb, it means definitely. This is just how things can change so quickly depending on just the t- tense, the verb you're using uh, for a specific scenario. So here, since it's past tense used, Qad gives you the meaning of most definitely the believers have attained success. And now we look at uh, the definition of success. This is such an interesting thing. Because people have different definitions all around us right now. You'll see people in this dunya, they have so many different definitions of success. One major one that is being pushed in this era and in the past as well, is success equals to how much material wealth you have been able to accumulate. The more materialism a person has, the more successful he is. Look at the billboards 
all over the world when they're advertising things. The one who is dragging a brand new suitcase, he's got a huge smile on his face. He's so happy because he's got a new suitcase. The other one is so smiling because he's opening up the doors of a brand new car. Third one, he's so happy because he's entering his brand new condo. Fourth one is super happy because he's entering a penthouse overlooking uh, the, you know, the sea. So what does all this tell us? That if you have material things, you will be, have a huge smile on your face and you will be living happily ever after. Success. Stories of success. Let's go attend a conference where entrepreneurs will talk about their success. How I became successful. And um, you know, certain, certain things stick with you when you're young. So I remember as a 10-year-old, we attended an Islamic conference. For, um, for, a, for a few hours. And that Islamic conference, there was on the uh, agenda, different rooms, different speeches, lectures happening. So one conference room said there was a story of a man who was going to share his success story. And it was just titled, How I Became Successful. But because of, you know, the way you're raised, you already have an idea of what success is supposed to be like and what's not. So I, I, you know, I'm thinking, okay, there's probably some scholar, you know, going to be giving a talk about success of Akhir or whatnot. But I go there, and I remember I was not definitely less than ten, ten or less. I go there, and this 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 person is speaking about he, how he be, basically became wealthy, right? And he's he's talking about his investments and this and that, how he became wealthy, and that's the whole the talk, how he became successful. Immediately in my mind, this was like, okay, this is a failure. Like, why is this person speaking here? On what basis does he have a right to talk about success? Because this is not success. This is just his figment of his imagination that uh, material success equals real success that I'm going to come speak about. Yes, if you uh, be more specific to say how to become a successful <coughs> technician, <coughs> how to become a successful investor, and when you mean success, you mean specifically in this regard. Technically speaking, how to be able to attain what you have set out for. That's a different story. But if you leave it general, open-ended, and say success, then what, what, are, what, what am I going to think? And what are you going to think? You're going to be thinking it's that success which is everlasting. Which is going to be there the entire time. When someone comes to you and says, at the end of the year, you know, academic, I pass, I'm so happy, I pass. Like, mashallah, mashallah, Mubarak, you finished second year medical school, going to third year. You finished uh, what you call eighth grade and going to ninth grade. He said, no, 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 no. I passed one spelling quiz Monday we had. That's it. And then, he said, no, I failed the year. I failed the year, but I passed the, 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 the weekly spelling quiz in one of those weeks. So what are you going to say? This, is, this makes no sense. Like, what are you getting excited about, jumping up and down? That you passed a quiz while you failed the whole year? There you go. Because when you come and say, I'm successful, I've done really well, I'm expecting that means that you pass the year and you're moving forward to the next year. Otherwise, why would you be jumping up and down like that? Similarly, when a person says, I'm successful, we would presume that it means that he's successful all the way. Not on one quiz, on one thing, on one item, on one subject. He's successful all the way to this whole life in the grave, on the day of judgment, until he gets into Jannah to live a life of absolute success forever. That is what we're speaking about. Success that is temporary is not something that we should be uh, you know, gloating over and that we should be excited about. Because that is very short-lived. So the dunya constantly pushes down a, a definition of success that equals materialism. And 
this idea is what fuels the mad rush towards purchasing things. Consumerism comes from this. Everyone wants to buy the latest watch, the latest phone, the latest gadget. Wants to dress in a certain manner because he thinks it's successful. What is the whole brand name come from? The same purse, same bag that is produced from the same factory will sell for $100 as well as $1,500 depending on the labeling. Now that same, if you say, no, I buy things for quality. Okay, find me a person who's willing to pay $2,000. Find me a lady who's willing to buy a purse for $3,000 but has a label hidden inside it. Outside is labelless. If you're buying it for quality, then you should enjoy the quality. You don't need a name. No, you'll make sure that that, that part is exposed, the name. Even the person, everything else will be hidden. But the name must be exposed wherever you go. You know, that, that, that when we're walking, people should, the eye should directly fall on the logo. That's the way the world runs. Why is that? Because we think that if people think we're happy, then we will become happy. We think that if people think we're successful, then we will become successful. And success is owning <coughs> and achieving and having a lot of material things. So we are up against a huge tsunami. The whole world is telling us this, and Islam is telling us the opposite. Islam is saying that success is not the embodiment of expensive things, of luxurious products, and of, uh, you know, of expensive high-end material things. No! That is not success. Success is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says is successful. Additionally, when we have an exam in a classroom, success is not subjective, is it? You have a very clear-cut passing grade and failing grade. There's no doubt about that. Passing grade and failing grade. You wouldn't be, it wouldn't be such that someone says, you know, passing and failing is subjective. In my opinion, where I come from, and my parents hail from a village in India where 45% is regarded as pass. Hence, I'm, I'm, I feel that I've passed. I'm going to go tell my parents I passed. Because it's subjective. And another one, he says, I come from a place where my parents say 90% is, is also failure. You have to have 99. Hence, I got 89% and I'm a failure. It doesn't work like that. There's very set rubric for failure and success in an exam. Whatever you got, it's a pass or a fail, and there's no two opinions about it. And that's how life is supposed to be. But you see, it's not. People have made their criteria of success and failure completely different. So a man thinks that his criteria is X amount of money. Otherwise, I'm a failure. X amount of business. X, otherwise, I'm a failure. This type of profession, otherwise, I'm a failure. So each person, his notion of failure and success is changing. Additionally, based on where they live, it changes. So for a man in Africa, in the jungle, it's different. A man in a, um, uh, in a, a, a more larger city of Africa will be different. <coughs> a man in, in the West, living in a developed country, is different. So depending on the era, depending on the geography and the place, depending on who you are, depending on your tribe, depending on your educational background, success keeps on changing. When it's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be a leveled playing ground. For whoever you are, there should be one exam with one failure, grade, mark, and one pass. And that's what Islam came and said. Islam has presented a message to say, no matter where you are, if a person has the kalima in his life, 
If a person has sunnah in his life, he'll be a, he will be successful. And no matter how many material things a person has or doesn't have, if they do not have karima in their life and they don't have sunnah in their life, they're a failure. So now it's very clear. There's no ambiguity here. You don't have to self-doubt. Am I a failure or successful? Am I leading a good life or a bad life? That doubt doesn't need to be there because the criteria of success and failure is very clearly laid out by Allah in His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So leading a life of, of deen is a life in reality, my beloved friends, a very easy life. You don't have to keep on doubting yourself. Am I making it or not? You just look in the mirror and see to what degree is sunnah in my life. To what degree is <coughs> the commands of Allah in my life. And then you know how well you're doing. Bas. The rest of the world will be confused about their criteria of success or failure, but you and I won't be. Another thing to understand is that success and failure cannot change as you grow older. The criteria. The world's idea of success and failure changes. A youngster's understanding of success and failure. Baby, what does he think? If I get a lot of toys, I'm successful. If I get a lot of candy, I'm successful. If I get a lot of time in the amusement park, I'm successful. If I get less, less time at school, more time at play, I'm successful. That's what he thinks. But as he grows older, in his teens, in his 20s, his 30s, the understanding and the definition of success and failure definitely doesn't stay like that. It changes. And his wish, his desires, and his goals keep on changing. But the long-term definition of success and failure cannot change. That's why we realize, you've heard me say this many times, that when we ask about brother, what are you doing? Where are you in life? The usual answers that we give, that what are you doing? Who are you? We usually speak about where we are in life currently. That I am a second year student of, of, of law. I am a first year medical student. I am a third year engineering student. This is who I am. I, am, I just graduated my, on my, my first job. Just got married. So we, talk, we speak about, we give answers. When someone says, who are you? What are you doing? What's your maqsad? What's your purpose? <coughs> the answer usually is about our profession. Very specific. It's usually about where we are on our journey of earning money. It's either about what, what year we are of our profession, or what year are we on our way to gain our profession. That's usually the answer. Which is an incorrect answer. That is not your purpose, that's not your goal. That is just the need of life. That you have to earn money to be able to bring a loaf of bread onto the table. Besides that, that is not your maqsad and your purpose. Your maqsad and your purpose is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a manner shown to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So what we're doing, when we're conflating the two. We are mixing up our destination with where we are right now. So the example, when someone asks where you're headed, you're supposed to not say, I am by the oasis, I am by such and such exit, I am on such and such highway. You're supposed to rather say, I am headed to Indianapolis and currently over here. I am headed to Milwaukee, currently over here. That is a correct answer. Instead of just giving the runaround and saying, this is where I am. Because that doesn't answer anything. Because every minute you're going to keep on changing. Similarly, when someone asks, what's your purpose in life? Where you're headed? What are you doing? What are you up to? Our answer should also be similar. I am headed towards Akhirah. Preparation of, of, of my abode in paradise. Establishing the laws of Allah Azza wa on this earth. And currently this is what I, where I'm at. But is that how we usually answer? No. So we have to change the way we approach success and failure. And so that's why this topic 
as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in these verses, is so important for us to visit and revisit again and again to remind ourselves that the criteria of success and failure is not what the world makes it out to be. Alhamdulillah, we don't need to go beg at people's doors for explanation of this. We don't need to ask people, please let us know how to become successful like you. Nope. We have deep, clear explanations in the Quran and Sunnah that tell us what this is all about. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has spoken about this in multiple places in the Quran. Aflaha, Allah mentions in Surah Al-Shams. He says, Qad aflaha man zakkaha. Indeed, the one who purifies the soul has attained success. Zakkaha. When do you hear about this? Purify the soul. The one who purifies a soul, if the one has a sick soul, he has a diseased heart, he could be the wealthiest person in the world, but he can never be successful. He could win the, the greatest elections, he can never be successful. Nope. Zakkaha. He has to cleanse the nafs. Allah Azza wa Jalla mentioned in Surah Al-A'la, also in the 30th juz, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ Indeed, the one who attains purity of the soul is successful. Two ayats, same thing. That falah and success has been connected with purity of the heart. And then the third verse is Surah Al-Mu'minun. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Indeed, the believers are successful. These are three places in the Qur'an where Allah uses the word aflaha. What is falah? فَلَحَ الْأَرْضَ إِشَّقَّهَا فَلَحَ الْأَرْضَ أَيْ شَقَّهَا It means to split the earth. When you, and the Arabs say, فَلَحَ الْأَرْضَ It means, شَقَّهَا He split the earth. <coughs> because a farmer is called also فَلَّاح Right? We know that. So, the, the, this is very common. Where's our Palestinian brothers? We don't have any Palestinian brothers here. They'll know. This right, so the uh, the if, uh, the farmer Fallah is what does he do? He splits open the earth and he places the seed in it. So this is why this word comes from that a root word. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is saying here that your success will lies in fulfilling your goal. If you don't have your goal set, you will never be able to attain your success. So today, we're not goal-oriented. This is the big problem. The people are going through life, but they don't have a vision, a mission, and a goal. And this is something where we need to come to the Qur'an and align ourselves. I was just reading that Colombia opened up a new $600 million business school. Now you look at how much effort goes into, into this architecture. $600 million dollars. Classroom space. And the, 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 how much effort went into the architecture to make it, uh, you know, a conducive space for learning, for creating the new leaders. Interestingly, they say that, you know, that we need to rethink the whole educational process because um, all we're doing is producing you know, uh, cheap labor for the capitalistic machine. And, uh, you know, w w the, the type of results that are supposed to happen, that today's youth are thinking about issues differently than the previous generations. They're thinking about climate change, they're thinking about social justice, they're speaking about all different things, and they're not just about making money, at least many of them, or some of them. And so the educational system, the classroom environment has to change.
And you read, subhanAllah, how much effort goes into simple design. Because you just think, tell, come, let's, let's sit together and study, man, come. But how much effort they're putting into the design of, of, of the rods, of the, of the space where this sofa goes into, how the glass is going to look over here, and this and that, and the color, and so forth, to make a nice environment. So much effort into the vision and the mission of the business school, which is a few years of education of a business student. Now, beloved brothers and sisters, we are leading a life, inshallah, 70-80 year life. Imagine that 78 year life we have, we don't have a mission. That they have a mission for four years of, you know, of that you're coming there and why they're spending this money on a school building. They have a mission and a vision. But if individuals as us, why do we not have a mission? You see someone walking around at this gas station here, a lot of times you'll see police there. The, the, the gas station, I presume, calls the cops when they see people loitering around. And the police come, and they usually talk to the guy, and then they say, go from here. Homeless guy or someone is walking around. What happened? He's jaywalking. He's walking around the gas station for some time, and you're not supposed to loiter around. You're not supposed to walk around the gas station aimlessly. Otherwise, you'll get the cops called. Walking around half an hour, 20 minutes aimlessly in a gas station, it will get you in trouble. What about leading a 60-year, 80-year life aimlessly? How about that? How is that logical? That a person goes through a whole life, and he's in 50, 50 years old, but if you ask him, what is your mission and vision in life? He says, I don't know. It's to earn money. That is not a mission and a vision. That is the basic requirements of life to be able to sustain yourself. But that's not a mission. Our mission and vision has to be much greater than that. And so I want this... Uh, opportunity. I want, I want all of you to take this opportunity on your way back home to ask yourself, especially the, mashallah, the many youth who are here and youngsters who are here, ask yourself, what is your mission and purpose in life? And understand that mission and purpose in life, don't give a, um, a generic answer that I'm here to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, that's good, I know, you're here to please Allah, but how? How do we please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You don't please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only by sitting in the masjid the entire day. We'll pray our salah, we'll attend durus, but we have to go outside. How are we going to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a entrepreneur? How are we going to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a college student? How are we going to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a business owner, as a professional? That's, those are the questions that a person has to ask. What goal and mission do you have? My brothers and sisters, once that goal and mission is clear in your mind, the rest is easy. Because you know what you're doing. Musa and Khadr's story, we talked about it while last year. Ulama mentioned that Musa and Khadr, <clears throat> they knew, Musa salam knew where he was headed. He was going to meet Khadr. So he walked and walked and walked and walked, he didn't get tired. But as soon as he passed by that area, as you remember the story, because you're supposed to meet Khadr at a place where the fish jumps out of the basket. And he was sleeping when that happened. When he woke up, Yusha salam, forgot to inform Musa salam, that this happened. And so they kept on walking. And then Musa salam, told Yusha, Atina gada'ana, can you please give me, give me lunch? Or I'm hungry. Laqad laqina min safarina nasaba. I have, we have faced a lot of difficulty in this travel. So Yusha told Musa salam, sorry our lunch is gone. It jumped into the, into the sea. 
So he said, what? Why didn't you tell me? He said, oh, shaitan made me forget. I forgot to tell you, I'm sorry. So the ulama say that Musa salam, he began to feel the difficulty of the journey after he passed the place where they were supposed to meet Khadr. Why? Because when you start doing things that do not help you achieve your goal, that's when it hurts, it's a waste of time, it's painful. It doesn't give you anything. But as long as you are journeying and toiling towards your goal, you won't feel pain in it. Or if you do feel pain, you won't mind it. It will be enjoyable because you have a purpose in front of you. What a beautiful statement of the scholars and a deduction from this verse is here. So if we have our purpose in life clear of what you and I want to achieve in the life that we have, then the difficulties that come about in attaining this goal, beloved brothers and sisters, will not be painful, will not be overbearing. Instead, it will be something that we will uh, wholeheartedly accept that, hey, this is the price I'm willing to pay. Because you know what? I know what I want to do. Try to find someone who is running for, um, for office. You know, how hard it is it? How, how is it running around trying to get campaign donations and this and that? Find someone who's trying to win the Olympics. How hard is it? It's not easy. But waking up at 3 o'clock, preparing before sunrise, 3 hours, their workout, simple. Because they have a very clear goal in front of them. So falah and success cannot come unless and until we know what our goal is. Until unless we know what our goal is. Then once that is done, then we will start working on trying to achieve that goal. And then only we can hope to gain success. So three verses of the Qur'an, aflaha is mentioned. And two verses of surah in 30th juz. One in A'la and one in Shams. And both speak about the purity of the heart. And this ayah here speaks about the ultimate believers. The true believers are the ones who are successful. They are the ones who gained their goal. Beloved brothers and sisters, so now we should walk away today from, from this dars, understanding the importance of us focusing on our internal selves. That we have to start focusing on our internal selves. The cosmetic industry is billions of dollars. Plastic surgery industry, billions of dollars. A hair restoration industry, billions. Right? Hair dye industry, billions. You name it. All of this stuff, external things. Nutrition, weight loss, weight loss industry, billions. All, uh, exercise industry, billions. What, what amount of effort is being placed on spirituality? We're not even talking, what about the physical health? Think about all the hospitals in the world, and all the specialists in the world, and all the medical schools in the world. They're focusing on the physical health of the body. And then the emotional health of the body. Psychological health of the body. The whole world is focusing around this. Unbelievable amounts of wealth and energy is being focused on that. Where is the focus on becoming a better human being? Who's going to talk about that? Who's going to talk about loving others more than you love yourself? Who's going to talk about leading a life void of greed, a void of jealousy, void of malice, void of ostentation, right? Where, where does that come into our educational discussion? It doesn't. From pre-K all the way to your second PhD. You're not going to find anywhere this discussion happening about how to become a better human being. How to become a human being. Right now we have to talk about becoming human first because we're losing our humanity. Right? Becoming human first. What the world has come. Six-year-old shooting up his teacher, right? When in this country, subhanAllah. Every single week, something new, new uh, crazy 
world record is broken in, in terms of how crazy humanity, how lowly asfal as-safileen, how low we can fall. So the tazkiyatun nafs is where now the Qur'an is asking us to focus on. Tazkiyatun nafs. Purification of the soul. And that should be our goal. If someone asks, what is one of your goals? One of my major goals in life is to leave this world in a state that I am in the highest possible state of purity of my soul. That when Allah meets me, He's looking forward to receiving me and I am looking forward to meeting Him. And that's not gonna happen with a dirty, disgusting soul. I have to make sure all that filth that I have picked up from the world is cleansed out from here. Dunya, Allah Rasulullah has mentioned hadith, Dunya daru bala'in wa inqita'. Dunya is a place of tests and a place of ending. Inqita' end. So you cannot gain true happiness over here. It's always going to be imtihan, difficulty. So if a person says, I just want a comfortable life, you're never going to get true comfort here. Every single time you're about to get comfort, something's going to come to your mind. How quick it is for us to, easy we can lose our sleep. You are in your bed, you went and got on a, on a vacation, you bought a th- got a $300 bedroom facing the sea, and you're staying there, and all of a sudden you pick up your phone. Huh? And then you read an article. Or you receive an email from work. Get a text message on your family group, and you lose your sleep. Gone. Or your whole vacation down the drain. Based on one text message, someone passed away. Your loved one passed away. Relative passed away. Someone in your immediate family is sick and taken to the hospital. How can you sleep that night thousands of miles away in this vacation? You can't. This is dunya for you. The dunya does not have any type of longevity of happiness and comfort. So if a person says, I want to have a really comfortable life in which I don't have to ever get sad and never to get worried, well guess what? You're setting yourself up for failure because that's never going to happen. It's just never meant to happen in this world. This world is meant to be constant test. You get battered the way you have the rocks on the seashore, get battered by the waves. That's how we are. We're going to get battered constantly by different types of halat and conditions in this world. And then Nabi ﷺ mentioned, Kafabil mauti wa'idah. That death is a sufficient giver of advice. When we were in the haram, recently we just, I just passed by, subhanAllah, the area where all the bodies were laying to rest. For, for the imam to come after Fajr Salah and to perform the janazah. And my, I, this is exactly what came on my tongue when I saw that. Kafabil bil wa'ila. 14 bodies, 13 bodies, and I even saw, you know, a young, youngster. Maybe like, you know, two feet, two and a half feet. So maybe like an eight, six-year-old, seven-year-old. SubhanAllah. Just lined up there. And he said, when you look at that, how can you enjoy? The Prophet said, remember the destroyer of pleasures, i.e. death. Remember the destroyer of pleasures, i.e. death, abundantly. When a person thinks about death, he, there's no way you're going to be able to enjoy this life. So this is the reality of how success in this world is, that if you make success, the criteria of success, comfort and luxury, and nice deep sleep every single day, bus, it's not going to happen. Because you're always going to get a rude awakening every single day, every single night. You have to change that perception. To say, no, success is achieving my goal. And my goal is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in my life, in whatever situation I'm in, I need to follow the sunnah. That's it. If the sunnah is in my life, alhamdulillah, I'm successful. So let's look at what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regard success from various verses of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-An'am, إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الظَّالِمُونَ 
Indeed, the oppressors will never be successful. So, if a person is oppressive to his spouse, a person is oppressive to his neighbors, a person is oppressive to his citizens, a person is oppressive to the animals, then this person cannot be successful according to the Qur'an. Because dhulm and oppression does not go hand in hand with success. Number two, Allah says, إِنَّهُ لَا الْكَافِرُونَ That indeed the disbelievers and the ungrateful ones can never be successful. So the one who is not grateful to Allah for the blessings he's enjoying, and is constantly complaining about his life, can never be successful. That's what a kafir is. Kafir is, to remind us again, we talked about Fallah is a farmer, kafir is also a farmer. Same thing. Kafara is to hide. And so just like a farmer hides the seed. Falaha, I told you, was means ripping up the earth. Here it means, kafara means to hide. You take the seed and you hide it inside the ground. That's what a farmer does. Similarly, kafir is the one who takes Allah's blessings and he hides it, sits on it and says, God never gave me anything. Right? He's unhappy. Today is depression. Why you have so many people who are depressed? So many people are depressed, so many people are upset, so many people are angry, so many people are frustrated, frustrated, flustered. Why? Because they forgot how to count Allah's blessings. And so they're angry about the fact that they had 99 things but they didn't get that one thing. This is kufranun ni'mah, being ungrateful to Allah. One of the great ways to be leading a happy life is to learn how to count Allah's blessings. Once we start learning how to count Allah's blessings, then we won't be pouting. We won't be angry. We won't be frustrated. We will be thankful for, for all that we have been given without us deserving any of it. So we must learn how to count Allah's blessings. So Allah says, La kafirun. Those who don't know how to count Allah's blessings and are deniers of Allah are never going to be successful. Number three, taqwa. Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah. Fear Allah. Become God conscious so that you may become successful. So in order for us to be successful, a person needs to have that nur of Allah whereby we can differentiate right from wrong, truth from falsehood. Number four is to do ibadah and to do good deeds. Allah says, وَعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ Worship your Lord. وَفْعَلُوا الْخَيْرَ Do good deeds. لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ So that you may become successful. So to do acts of ibadah and to do good deeds will lead us to success. Number five is to remember Allah's blessings. فَذْكُرُوا آلَاءَ اللَّهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ Surah Al-A'raf Remember and talk about Allah's blessings so that you may become successful. So when we speak about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed us with the sun and the moon, the stars, the different seasons, the sky, the, 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 uh, the, we talked about yesterday, the beautiful clouds and all that is hidden inside it. The various types of fish, the various types of meat and, 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 and vegetables that are available for us, grains. What happens? The more we think about these blessings, the more we will become appreciative of Allah, the more we will be willing to worship Him and we will get tuflihun, success. So, number six, holding on to the group of Muslims. Iltizamu jama'atil mu'mineen. Allah says, Ala inna hizballahi hum al-mufliḥoon in Surah Mujadala. Listen, indeed, the party of Allah, they are the successful ones. You can't be alone. You need to join with the group. Success is with always with Yadullahi ala al-jama'a. Allah's assistance is with the jama'a. Literally, hand of Allah. Yani the assistance of Allah. Allah's assistance is with the jama'a. 
So a person should not think that he will be successful by staying on the bleachers there on his own and pointing fingers at the rest of the ummah that the whole ummah is misled except for me. And so I'm not joining them. This is not smart. Instead, we need to join the righteous people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Listen, indeed, the party of Allah is successful. And what do you know the opposite of that? Indeed, the party of shaitan. Indeed, the party of shaitan are the ultimate losers. So these are six traits, let me repeat them again, of discussion of falah that's mentioned in the Quran. One is justice and not being oppressive. Number two is to have belief and not be ungrateful to Allah. Number three is to have taqwa, God consciousness. Number four is to be worshipping Allah and doing good deeds. Number five is to be speaking about and thinking about Allah's blessings. And number six is to hold on to the jama'ah of the believers and to join them, join their ranks. Okay. Now, Rasulullah has mentioned that sometimes falah comes with... In order to have falah, you need to have certain gifts as well. And out of those gifts is intelligence, to be smart. Rasulullah said, Indeed, the one who's been gifted intelligence has become successful. Because in order to understand the intricacies of success and failure, goal and, and uh, goals of different people and your goal, you need to have intelligence. That is why Imam Shafi'i uh, and, and, uh, talks about the benefits of having in, you know, intelligence in order to seek knowledge. That in order to seek knowledge, a person needs to have intelligence. And Imam Ghazali in Bidayat al-Hidayah speaks about what are the traits you need to look for in a friend. What are the traits you need to look for in a friend? And the first trait he says is al-aql, intelligence. That you need to befriend people who are intelligent. Because a person who is not intelligent may be very good and righteous, but because of his foolishness, he will end up harming you. And then he quotes Ali radiallahu anhu, who said it's better to have a smart and intelligent enemy than having a foolish friend. Because the intelligent enemy, he will act based on the dictates of logic and you will know his next move. Because he works based on logical processes. While a foolish friend, you don't know what he's going to do next. You don't know what he's going to blurt out in front of your spouse, to your mom, to your dad, to your employer, and ruin your whole life. Right? Because he's not intelligent, he's not smart. He just says crazy things, does crazy things. So that is why it's better to stay away from such people. Really, it's a great, great piece of advice of Ali radiallahu anhu. You want to stay away from people who are not intelligent. Who, don't have, who are not street smart, who do say things that just don't make sense. And, you know, it is like that. So we gotta, <clears throat> you got to just keep your distance. So he said, Rasulullah said, The one who's been gifted intelligence is successful. And um, as Khalid ibn Walid radiallahu anhu, when he accepted Islam, Rasulullah said, told him, Oh Khalid, I'm surprised. I'm surprised I thought you had يعني, intelligence. Meaning, why did it take you so long to become a Muslim? You're so smart. So here we understand that intelligence is not talking about scoring 100% on your LSAT. Intelligence here is speaking about understanding the big picture. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from me? That's called intelligence. Like a Bedouin. He's listening to the Quran first time. He's listening to the Qur'an, new Muslim, he just barely accepted Islam. He's standing behind listening to the Qur'an being recited in salah or listening. 
or hearing a Quran being recited by a Qari and he, as soon as the Qari finishes he gets upset and he says I cannot believe how oppressive this human being is he got mad he said I'm mad at the human race that's why he said how why should the Lord of the worlds the creator of the heavens and the earth and the creator of mankind why should he have to take an oath to say anything why does he have to take an oath how do why, why is this human being so stubborn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to take an oath to explain something. That's intelligence right there. He got it right there. He accepted Islam. You know, another Bedouin came and he looked and you know, he came towards Islam. And then he said, I'm shocked. How is it that someone who sees that there is a Lord who created a heavens of multi-layered heavens with, multi- with orbits of all sorts of planets and, and different celestial objects. And then... He has created the, the, the oceans, the rivers, and the mountains. How can someone deny the existence of that Lord? When you know the droppings of the camel tell you that a camel has passed by. Simple guy. The droppings of a camel tell you that a camel has passed by. How can all of this not point to the fact that there is a Lord Almighty Allah? Right? How can it be? So you know what I mean? He never went to school. He's unlettered, but he's smart. He's intelligent. He got it. So this is what Khalid Walid that you're so smart, you are such an amazing warrior. Why is it taking you so long? Why did it take you so long to accept Islam? So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَئِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ لَآيَاتٍ لِأُولِ الْبَابِ Indeed in the creation of the heavens and the earth, in the changing of the seasons, in the changing of the night into day, and the day into the night, are great signs for the people of intelligence. There you go. That's intelligence to speak about. Intelligence is a person looks at the world and picks things up quick. He looks at death and he says, you know what, I may be next. Right? That's an intelligent man. He looks at people who are sick in the hospital and he says, I may be next. He looks at the heavens and the earth and he says, how can I not bow my head down in front of Allah who created the world? Why am I scared that Allah is not going to provide for me risk? If I earn halal, Allah is going to make me poor? And if I go earn haram, I'm going to become rich? Come on. What that makes doesn't add up. Why is it that if I earn halal, Allah is going to make me die thirsty and hungry? And if I open up the doors of haram, then I will become prosperous. So that is an unintelligent person. So this is what Rasulullah is saying, that success, the one who's been given intelligence has been successful. Another hadith is mentioned, مَن لَا دِينَ لَهُ مَن لَا دِينَ لَهُ لَا عَقْلَ لَهُ وَمَن لَا عَقْلَ لَهُ لَا دِينَ لَهُ that the one who doesn't have any deen has no intelligence. And the one who has no intelligence can never have deen. The one who has no deen has no intelligence. And the one who has no intelligence has no deen. Once the Prophet ﷺ saw a man who was mentally ill. So he asked his companions, Man hadha? Who is this guy? They said he is crazy. He is, he is insane. He, it's mentioned in hadith, and that he said, لا هذا مبتلى المجنون من يعصي الله. Right? Okay, Maqal I said, Salam. هذا مبتلن يتو مصيبت زداه. This is not majnoon. He is not crazy. This person, he is stuck in a difficulty. He's being tested. He's being tested. He's not insane. He's being tested. Insane is the one who disobeys Allah. Insane is the one who disobeys Allah. How could you? Can you put your finger in your stove at home? How long are you gonna last? We're not gonna last more than one second. Then how can we ever think of putting our whole body into a blazing fire of Jahannam that is 70 times in intensity of the fire of this world? 
by disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can we look at haram, listen to haram, eat haram, consume haram, speak haram, knowing that all of this will make us worthy of the hellfire. So the one who disobeys Allah, most definitely he's majnoon, he's crazy. So we talk, Rasulullah said intelligence is connected with falah, success is intelligence. Number two, Islam. He says, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ أَسْلَمَ Indeed, successful is the one who has accepted Islam. وَرُوزِقَ كَفَافًا And has been given just enough sustenance. وَقَنَّعَهُ اللَّهُ بِمَا آتَاهُ And Allah has made him self, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made him content with what he has given him. So Nabi salam, he spoke about success. We, now, we, <coughs> I talk about success, my first part of the talk was about success from the Qur'an. Obviously now you've seen that we're moved on to success from the words of Rasulullah aslam. Indeed the one who's got three qualities is successful according to the Prophet wasallam. Number one, the one who has submitted himself to Allah. That's the first quality of success. Number two, ruziqa kafafan, he's been given sustenance that is sufficient. Sufficient. What, number three, Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes him content with what he has given him. Beloved brothers, we have to understand that uh, being content with the risk that Allah has given us is, is a criteria of success. Nabi ﷺ mentioned another hadith, إِنَّ اللَّهَ إِذَا أَحَبَّ عَبْدًا جَعَلَ رِزْقَهُ كَفَافًا When Allah loves a servant, He makes His sustenance just sufficient. What does this mean? That there are very few people who get a risk that is more than sufficient and still remain obedient to Allah. It's very hard. It's very hard to be floating in money while at the same time floating in the pleasure of Allah. Usually money corrupts. And when a person gains material wealth, then usually they do not know how to handle it. And it takes over them. And instead of using, instead of making the money work for them, they become a servant to the money. Instead of using that money to purchase real estate, you know how people, they save up money and they send it back home from the Middle East. They send it back to wherever they've come from. Migrant workers. People here also, they make a lot of money and say, oh, there's investment, let me purchase property in the Middle East or property somewhere else. So for a believer, he's always mindset, he's an investor. His idea of investment is where? In Akhirah. Anytime he sees a good house, you know people here purchase, I mean I'm learning about this, people purchase huge properties in Karachi, and there's apparently big places of investment there in Lahore and Karachi, and whole huge subdivisions that Americans invest in. Of course, Hyderabad is a huge district to Palestine, people are going to Jordan, people go invest money. A lot of people are investing money back in their own areas. But a believer, as someone it's very nicely mentioned, you can make this write the statement that a believer, he Allah, he understands that the means of this world Allah has given him to purchase akhirah. We don't hate means. We don't dislike wealth. We don't dislike material things. All we're saying is that material thing has a very specific purpose, and that purpose is not to simply fulfill your desires of this world. But rather, material means Allah has given you and I, or will give you and I, and the purpose for that should be, how can we attain, utilize that to invest in Jannah. So a person, he ends up seeing a good property on sale in Dubai, may call the brokers, hey, just right there, brother, what are you doing? 
Oh man, don't worry about it. I know how this stuff works. This is, this is an amazing property. Similarly, people around him say he's crazy, but he says, no, I know what you're doing. Trust me. I'm going to be laughing at you for not making this purchase. I'm doing this. A believer, he's walking around. Someone says, hey, who's going to build this orphanage? You know, subhanAllah, there's a need. There is a huge flood happening in XYZ part of the world. We need $100,000. He just walking by. He says, really? How much is it going to do? Well, this is going to build houses for 5,000 people. Khalas, 5,000 people can live with my $100,000? I couldn't even be a, buy a condo with that. 5,000 people can live in it? Khalas. He's going to immediately purchase that because what he's doing, he's not looking at purchasing for 5,000 people. He's looking at an unbelievable, not condo, a palace in paradise that will never, ever go bad, will never, ever be depreciated, will never burn, will never, will never become dirty, will never get sold, will never get broken into. A person came to Rasulullah he said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't desire the akhirah. I don't have desire for the akhirah. What should I do? Right? How many of us may, we should probably have the same issue maybe? Rasulullah said, okay, you don't have desire for akhirah? I'll tell you the answer to that. He said, a man, he's usually attached to where his belongings are. For example, if a traveler comes here, he has his belongings in, the, in someone's, uh, a relative's house in, say, in Chicago. Now we're in the suburbs. He'll tell him, brother, come just sleep over here. He says, no, 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 man. Zakallah khair, thank you so much, but I need to go back. Why? Why do you need to go back? Because my suitcase is over there. Because my things are over there. My belongings are over there. A person yearns to be with his belongings. The Rasulullah told him, you don't desire the akhirah? Why don't you put your belongings over there? Send your belongings to the hereafter, then automatically you'll start wanting to be in the akhirah. When you start sending deposits, direct deposit to the akhirah, every month X money, 5% of your income, 10% of your income, 15% of your income, you're sending to the akhirah. What happens? Pretty much after 20 years you realize your biggest investment is in the akhirah compared to any other investment here. And you say, why, why should I stay here? The chunk of my money and the chunk of my investments I've already made in the akhirah, I want to go enjoy it, have my retirement in Jannah. Not over here, because I really don't have much stored up here. There you go. That is how a believer is supposed to think. That he uses the means of this world. So we're not against means. But we're just saying, make sure you use your means properly. That's what the purpose is. That's send it back. You, that's why you look at these migrant workers, again, in Middle East. Millions of them from Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, Nepal. <coughs> all these other countries. Find me one migrant worker. Find me one migrant worker that owns his own condo there. Find me one migrant worker who's working there for 25 years who owns a house. Find me one who owns his own car. Right? What do they do? All that money, they send it back. Many of them over 20 years of working in the Middle East, now mashallah own a three-level three, uh, three villa. And the whole family lives in there comfortably because of the money that this man has earned in the Middle East. Sending it back. But in the Middle East itself, he's got nothing. So he's smart. What is he doing? He's invested. I'm not. I'm, I don't even get citizenship, even if I stay here for a hundred years. This is not. This is a temporary place. I came here to work. My place of the res residence and the place where we're going to enjoy it was called home. Is back there. That's how this world is. Live in this world as a traveler, as a stranger. Now you go ahead and earn, 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 but send it. Make all the money you want. You want to make 2 million a year? Make 20 million a year. No problem. But make sure you invest it in a place that you will be able to actually enjoy forever. And that's called the Akhirah. So you can be. People talk about Abdurrahman ibn Auf. People talk about Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Yeah, sure. Of course. But then, they were not just blowing it off over here. <laughs> right? They were spending and sending it to the Akhirah. So this is why you will see 
the hadith speak about the virtue of having just enough sustenance. Because most people who get more than just enough, they end up failing. And they end up misusing it. Another hadith, خُذْ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا مَا وَخُذْ بِقَدْرِيَا هَمَّنْ مَنْ أَخَذَ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا فَوْقَ مَا يَكْفِهِ أَخَذَ مِنْ حَتْفِهِ وَهُوَ لَا Take from the dunya as much as you wish and take equivalent of that in worry and sadness. Meaning the more money that comes in, the more material gain, the more what you call uh, um, progress and uh, in, in, in your, in, 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 and the more upward movement and mobility you get in your workplace, with that comes the equivalent amount of stress. That's how it is. Number four, is الرضا والقناع So the third one was just having sufficient sustenance Number four is to be content with what Allah gives you is, is gonna give you success Number five is to be able to see the truth That's how you get success Let me, This is a hadith, beautiful hadith Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said Indeed successful is the one who makes his heart pure for iman Heart can only have one thing You can either have uh, water in here, you can have mud in here, you can have both. Right? So you're gonna have your heart, either you're gonna have Allah in it or you're gonna have something else in it. You can have Iman in it or you're gonna have something else in it. So successful is the one who pours, who empties his heart out of everything that's inside it, cleans it up, and keeps it khalis and only for Iman. Number two, qalbahu salima, and then he makes his heart pure. His tongue truthful وَنَفْسَهُ مُطْمَئِنَّ He makes his nafs content with Allah وَخَلِيقَتَهُ مُسْتَقِيمًا He makes his character upright وَجَعَلَ أُذُونَهُ مُسْتَمِعًا He makes his ears willing to listen to everything beneficial وَعَيْنَهُ نَاظِرًا He makes his eyes look at everything that is beneficial فَأَمَّا الْأُذُنُ فَقَمِعٌ وَالْعَيْنُ بِمُقِرَّةٌ لِمَا يُعَى الْقَلْبِ The ear will absorb whatever good you need to take or bad and the eye will be will be the gateway to the heart. وَقَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ جَعَلَ قَلْبَهُ وَاعِيَا Indeed, successful is the one who has made his heart a container for the truth. Okay, so this is a long hadith here. But the gist of this here is to be able to see the truth and find the truth is a sign of success. Number six is to be uh, have your heart clean from all Spiritual illnesses. Now comes, this is what we have completed so far. Description of falah from the Quran and hadith. Once a person understands that, then you can move on to these specific selection of verses, which we will go through the translation today, and inshallah revisit again for further details the following week. Allah says, truly the believers shall realize everlasting success. Okay, what a... All of us sitting here, how many, how many, how many people are there are in the world? Eight billion. How many, uh, say, Muslims there are? One billion. How many Muslims there are there now who are uh, performing daily, five times daily salah? Let's say, a uh, hundred million. How many of them perform, the men of them perform the salah, one salah in the masjid? Now you're down to maybe five million, right? How many of them are going to be able to perform it with uh, concentration and devotion and time? Down to one million. 
Then move on to how many of them are fulfilled the rights of their spouse, their parents, their children and siblings, etc. All of them, down to 500,000. Right? Now you go and say how many of their financial transactions are right. So what happens? The more conditions you keep on adding, your results start narrowing. You do a Google search and you go to the filter and you add on flights, Google flights. Right? And you put a filter on there. What happens? Your searches start begin to narrow. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, believers are successful. The problem is all of us think we're believers. Then Allah says, okay, I'm going to put in filters. I'm going to put on filters. These are all the attributes of the believers who are successful. Just watch how much of this do you have. Okay? If you have these attributes in there, then okay. Now, when we read this, and look at how much we've discussed from the past hour. Where do we stand in all these things that we spoke about? We realize there's so much room for improvement because we're under this erroneous misconception that all of us are straight. You know, my name is already, there's a whole street in Jannah named after me. And I got one for my dad, one for my brother, one for my sister, a whole, whole neighborhood, little subdivision. So everyone's thinking that we're set. And they're not thinking, because why? Because we're recite La ilaha Muhammad Rasul. All these other people are kafirs. They're, they don't have La ilaha We do. This is not how it works. The, the believer who's successful, he's got to have certain traits. Or do you and I have those traits? Is a question. So the first trait is that you have to have true iman. What's true iman? We'll talk about that next week. Isn't, you know, iman is, is something heavy. It's something heavy. It's not just lip service, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. It's very heavy. Next, the ones who attain humility in their prayers. So humility in the prayer is, is the next. Khushur fi salah is... <coughs> is an important aspect. The ones, number three, the ones moreover who unfailingly come away from any vile talk they hear. So one is that you're not interested in speaking trashy things. But then if you hear someone speaking about it, you turn away. You say, no, not only do I don't do this stuff, I don't even participate. Sometimes people say, I don't smoke. But I have friends who do. I don't drink, but I have friends who do. No, it doesn't work like that. You have to not only not do those things, you cannot even sit around those places where these type of things are happening. Because your iman in you will say, I cannot withstand this. Imagine someone says, I don't, I don't, use, I don't curse out my mother, but I do end up enjoying the company of the people who cuss out my mother. You heard anyone like that? How does that make, it, how does that make sense? So how can a person say, I don't, I don't sin, however I have friends who do that. No, he's breaking the orders of Allah. He is hurting, he hurting Rasulullah How can we sit there and watch that? So we cannot sit there with such people. So these people, they turn away from anyone uh, uh, who has vile talk. zakati uh, fa'ilun, The ones who are giving their due zakat, whatever zakat and charity is due, but they give it without being stingy and without regarding it as a burden. Without regarding as a burden. hafidun, The ones who are ever so vigilant when it comes to remaining chaste, when it comes to remaining pure and clean, not falling into any of those sins. Except for in associating with their spouses or with whomever their hands may rightfully attain. For then they are not blameworthy. So this section is speaking about when the institution of slavery was around and as Islam slowly uh, uh, phased it out. This is referring to that. But whoever seeks intimate consort beyond this, meaning whoever tries to fulfill their desires, besides these two uh, categories, then it is they who are the ultimate transgressors. Adun, 
they are transgressing the limits. The ones who are observant of their trust and their covenants. So now you notice we have salah in here also, we have zakat here and also, we have remaining chase here as well. We have not, being in, not indulging in useless and vile talk and dis- useless discussions, but then you also have aspect of trust and covenants. Anytime you give your word to someone, you have to fulfill it. Anytime you've been entrusted with something, uh, a position, an office, a responsibility, a person has to fulfill that. Where do we start off with? Iman and Salah. And then we're ending off with Salah again. The ones moreover who are ever vigilant as to keeping, their, uh, keeping up with their prayers. Muhafadah ala Salah. Muhafadah ala Salah. It is these who shall be the inheritors. What are they going to inherit? They're the ones who shall inherit paradise. Therein they shall abide forever. Now, there is a, a saying that لَيْسَ الْإِيمَانُ بِالتَّحَلِّي وَلَا بِالتَّمَنِّي Iman does not come with just mere uh, adornment, faking it. And Iman is not just with tamanni, just desiring, wishing. I wish I had this, I wish I had that. That's not how Iman comes. Iman comes with hard work. A person doesn't become a doctor simply by wishing that he could be one. He doesn't become a doctor by simply carrying around his plaque of his grandfather of a doctor. He doesn't become like that. Similarly, Iman does not say, it does not become that my father, by sharing stories of our grandparents, by sharing stories that my grandfather was such a, such a shaykh, and he was like this and he was like that. That's not how a person becomes a believer. It requires a lot of hard effort. And so this is what we are hearing about here, is that these sifat, the journey, my journey from today, and your journey, is about bringing these sifat inside. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Allegiance is not with creed or color. Allah's allegiance is not, I should rather say, Allah's allegiance is not with color or, or ethnicity or gender. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's allegiance is with sifat and attributes. Anyone from anywhere, from any background who has the proper attributes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is willing with all open arms to befriend him, to become his, to become his wali, to become his caretaker, to become his nasir, to become his mawla. But what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala want from us? He wants sifat. And this is what this discussion is about. That to get attributes within us. This is our journey, beloved brothers and sisters. A journey of a lifetime. That we need to work on our a'mal. We are all very far from where we need to be. But at least if we can walk away tonight, making this niyyah, that um, the criteria of success from today is the criteria of success that Allah and His Rasul have laid out for me. Not the criteria of success that my business school or medical school laid out for me or, or my uh, influencers that I follow <laughs> laid out to me because the biggest influencer that you and I should be following is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he doesn't have an Instagram account okay it is Rasulullah sallallahu book uh, is seerah that a person needs to follow and if we follow that inshallah then the sifat will automatically come in one great way to get that inshallah you can ask questions through the slido any questions that you have uh, you can uh, take a picture of this or um, go to slido.com and type in 292-7279 inshallah anonymously we'll be able to answer your questions <clears throat> one, of the, one way to be able to keep this journey alive of becoming people of attributes and qualities is by studying the deen I just told you about studying the seerah so be, by studying seerah by studying ilm 
and becoming a student of knowledge, what happens? A person's sifat, a person will, in, will, will take on the sifat of his teacher. A person will take on the sifat and the attributes of the books, the authors that he's reading. Beloved brothers, mashallah, I see a lot of new people here today. Alhamdulillah, may Allah reward you all for coming and may Allah grant you and I istiqamah and steadfastness. This is the main thing. We're here for the first session of Surah Mu'minun. Now you need to make a firm resolve to make sure you attend all the sessions. Say inshallah. But one of the key things that I would encourage all of you is to become a student of knowledge. Uh, and, and one easy way to become a student of knowledge is attend our tafim program. Right? Our weekend tafim program. This is um, starting this weekend. Inshallah, you can take classes online or on site, both for brothers and sisters. On Saturday, we'll be covering the fiqh of halal and haram. We'll be covering misunderstood verses of the Quran. And we'll be covering the heroes of Islam. And Sunday, it will be the fiqh of marriage and divorce. And it will be a tajweed class. And number three, the four rightly guided khalifas. So this is 10 a.m. to uh, um, 10 a.m. to Dhuhr Salah. So um, the, the, uh, those classes start this weekend. I know many of you ask me, oh please, can, is there something that we can benefit from? Is there some class? And then you ask me when it's too late. The class is starting this weekend. So I request you to please join and share the message. How many of us are married? MashaAllah, many. How many of us are wanting to get married or planning to get married? Also many. But how many of us have taken an actual class on the rights of husband and wife? and the process of, 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 of leading a successful marriage. And Allah forbid, in the case of divorce, what does Islam say about how to go through that? Very few of us have taken a course like that. Very few. So please, every married person, or a person who's, who's planning to get married, make sure you take uh, this course, whether males or females. That, number two, misunderstood verses of the Qur'an. Ayats of jihad, ayats of slavery, ayats of women's rights, men's rights. People are confused about, you get challenged. Well, we need to have answers. That is why I request you also to take this class called the Misunderstood Verses of the Quran being taught on Saturday. Amongst many other classes, and alhamdulillah, it's on-site and online, so it makes things easy. Additionally, we have our monthly seminar taking place this weekend, Friday night, and this is a new topic and a new speaker. We have a, a, a physician, or a, rather I should say a, med- a, a, a professor, uh, coming all the way from California, who is an assistant professor at Stanford University. Dr. Amir Rahimullah, who is, a addition, who is an expert on addiction, and he is going to be speaking about breaking the stigma, addressing addiction in the Muslim community. How often do we address this topic, right? Not too often. We have a huge issue with drugs, with e-cigarettes, with vapes, uh, with uh, alcohol, with pornography, all sorts of things, subhanAllah, that are plaguing our Muslim community, both boys and girls, both men and women, adults and youth, and so I request everyone to please join us 7.45 this Friday evening to attend this important topic. And come with your sons and daughters, come with your family. Spread the word inshaAllah please for this Friday evening on this breaking the stigma topic. Um, and then we'll have our weekly team fajr as usual uh, um, this Saturday morning. And I'm going to do a shout out to mashallah the Mubarak family who's, who's hosting our breakfast this time. You know, subhanAllah, if you usually don't come, this is a great, this is a great uh, opportunity to, to uh, enjoy a very good 
uh, environment plus an amazing breakfast. May Allah reward their family who always goes above and beyond. It's a highlight of the team Fajr's. Huh? MashaAllah, they go above and beyond, alhamdulillah, in preparing. May Allah put barakah in their health and their wealth and provide for them from His infinite treasures. So please join this Saturday morning for the breakfast as well as the talk and spirituality after Salatul Fajr at 6.15. Um, and then we have Imam Zaid Shakir's event at Shalimar happening this uh, January 28th, which is two weeks from now, January 28th. Uh, we will, inshallah, on Saturday night at Shalimar, we will have Imam Zaid Shakir, who is going to be joining us for an evening of, of, of inspiration, an evening of dhikr. It is our annual fundraiser. I request you on your way out, please purchase your tickets from the kiosk or from maybe one of the students who's selling there as well. Um, and, and come with your family. It will be a very amazing evening starting at 5.30 p.m. We've just got two weeks left for that. Here, right now on, this, on the screen, you can, have the, you can see the flyer for the uh, weekend program, which, uh, Tafim program, which begins this weekend, inshallah. Okay, so how do we begin cleaning, cleansing the heart and soul from our past, past transgressions? One way to start doing that, number one, is through istighfar. Uh, istighfar is like, <clears throat> you know, bleaching it out. The more istighfar we do, the better. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Where's the card? Do you all, did you get the istighfar cards? There you go. Right? Everyone got it? Here, they pass it around here. So there you go. Alhamdulillah. If you pick up that istighfar card, and if you go to the QR code there, it will sh- sh- take you to the website, where, where it has many virtues of istighfar and a great book on istighfar also. It's, it's a book by Imam Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah, who is the leader of the Tabi'un. And it has a collection of 80 different types of istighfar that is narrated from him. They're powerful words. Very powerful words. When you read that, you will inshallah automatically cr- start crying. Because it's, it's words that have come from a, a pure heart. How he begs Allah for forgiveness is amazing. We have to learn how to beg Allah. This, that's why they say our istighfar requires istighfar. Istighfaruna yahtaju istighfar. Our istighfar is so bad that our istighfar itself requires istighfar because we do such a bad job in seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the way to cleanse the heart is to do a lot of istighfar. There's no end to how much you do. A hundred, a thousand, at least we should do maybe 500 a day, uh, 100 after every salah, and ask forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's one way to start that. Number two, is to start doing dhikr of Allah, Allah. Oh, la ilaha illallah. Simple way to do that is also do try to do 500 dhikr of Allah, Allah in your heart. You could do that at work, you could do that at school, you could do that while you're driving. Just imagine your heart is beating with Allah, 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 Allah. This is so easy. You could be anywhere in the world and no one will notice. Your lips are not moving, your tongue is not moving, your heart is beating with Allah, Allah. And you're focusing on Allah's name, illuminating your heart. So when that nur of Allah comes into the heart, automatically, inshallah, the blackness of sin will also shift away. Third thing is, very important, is to stay connected with good gatherings. Like for example, gatherings of ilm and dhikr like this. And similar gatherings. Just staying connected in a good environment of the masjid is inshallah going to help us uh, move away from a life of transgression. What does Islam say about global warming? Is it a sign of the day of judgment? Uh, global warming... Uh, yes, there is the, the signs of the hour do mention about rain uh, either becoming... I mean, it talks about natural disasters. It talks about, um, uh, it talks about 
uh, natural disasters will become so common that in every morning people will meet each other and they'll, all they'll talk about is natural disasters. Where'd you come from? Oh, I had an earthquake. Where'd you come from? I had a mudslide. Where'd you come from? I had this XYZ thing. That's how common natural disasters will come. Uh, fires will become rampant. Earthquakes will become rampant. Um, you know, the, the, uh, 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 the um, acid rain uh, will, will be there. Hail will be there. So um, the Arabia will turn into meadows and green pastures while rivers will begin to flow in Arabia. All these type of things uh, that you're seeing happening in the world. Uh, per se, I won't say per se global warming itself, but a lot of the effects of global warming are things that the, that the hadith do speak about. What rights do children have over parents? Well, the Umar anhu um, story c- comes to mind, where a person came and said, a father came and said, Ya uh, Umar, my son is being disobedient to me, and, and this and that. And Umar anhu said, go call your son. And then Umar anhu was about to flog his son. And he said, how dare, while Umar is a Khalifa, a son has a audacity to oppress his father. So then the son said, but hold on, can I share my side of the story? Do I not have any rights? And Umar said, of course you have rights. He said, okay, can you please tell me, oh Umar, what are my rights as a son? He said, your rights is that your father should have married a right lady, a right mother, who is a person of good character, good dini knowledge. And my um, father should have given you a proper name and should have given you and taught you the deen. So he responded to Umar and he said, no, my dad married some random slave girl who had no character, with no deen. That's, that's my mother. And he gave me this name, which also had a horrible meaning. And he didn't teach me anything about the deen. I know nothing about the deen. So at this time, Umar then said, that you, I am not going to punish you, hold you accountable. And he told the father, the gist of what he said is, you had oppressed him before he oppressed you. Right? Because you made wrong decisions, and this is the effect of those wrong decisions that your son has become like this. So, when you say, what are, the, what, are the, what are the rights of children over parents? It starts all the way from choosing the right spouse. I was just speaking to the first years today about this in detail. And, say, and I say, when you're marrying someone, don't marry them just as your husband or your wife. Marry them as the father of your future kids, mother of your future kids. That should be something you're focusing on. And imagine today's boys and girls, the choices they have in choosing spouse. Imagine, I said, if you imagine your dad did that. Imagine your dad just brought some random lady to your home. Who is your mom? Astaghfirullah, who is a loose lady. What type of person would you be today? Alhamdulillah, I, I thank Allah that all of us sitting here I cannot say, has only, have only good things to say about our mother. We cannot say that our, that our mother is XYZ person. This is what we should think about. If you're marrying some sinful person, a sinful, a sinful man or a sinful girl, Remember, that's gonna be, you have a choice in what you're doing, but your kids have no choice. You're giving them a sinful dad or a sinful mom. So be very careful when choosing your spouse because that is gonna be the parent of your children. Uh, Okay, Uh, so um, a question was, At what age is you encouraged for spouses to have children? Um, so if, if, when they get married, if there's a specific reason, a real ex- a, a specific circumstances for them not to have children immediately, then that needs to be discussed. Otherwise, the, pers- the purpose of marriage is actually tanasul. It is about having children. Allah, that's what Rasulullah said, تزوجوا walud That get married to someone who's going to give you a lot of children. 
right? So yani, bearing children, this is Rabbi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, 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 boasting at the large numbers of my ummah. Um, okay, so what else? Um, how to make up with people after going through depression and shutting out the world. So don't worry about um, what people will say about you. Alhamdulillah that you have now come back to, and you're doing better. Focus on your own physical and emotional health. Don't worry about people. If someone says, oh, where, where have you been? I was just, yeah, this is normal. Nowadays people don't even ask that question. COVID, COVID is a whole different world. So don't worry about what will people say to me. Instead, just focus on... Um, your own emotional health. And make sure that you stay consistent with the dhikr of Allah. Inshallah, if you're consistent with the dhikr of Allah, you will be emotionally also strong. How should one go about learning Arabic? I would say that initially a person should take a more, adva- a, a more um, um, intensive program, even if it means for a short duration, 10 days, 1 month, 2 weeks. Just to get accustomed to it, you need to put yourself in a very immersive environment. Once you go through that, then you can study uh, on a part-time basis. However, i am be honest, Arabic is one of the most difficult languages to learn. So if you study Arabic once a, once a week, it's not going to work. If you want to study, you can study fiqh once a week, you can study aqidah once a week. That's why our tafim weekend program does not include Arabic in it. Because Arabic is not something that you can learn just on the weekend. You have to learn it every day, even if it means 20 minutes. But you have to learn it every day. But before you get started, like for example, we have our Arabic intensive here that's taught over the summer. A program like that, where you take for one month or three weeks, you put yourself all out. Why I'm saying that is, because if you just do 20 minutes, a month later, you'll be saying, I still don't understand anything. I'm not sure what's happening. So by doing a, a more intensive course for a month, inshallah, it'll give you a strong foundation, and then you can continue part-time after that. Um, what is the best dua for sickness? Well, there are there's ayat of shifa in the Quran. There are six words, there are six ayats in the Quran that have the word shifa in it. You can read those, and one of them is, When I become sick, Allah is the one who cures me. Additionally, the best dua for sickness also is the dua, As'alullah al-Azim, Rabbal Ash al-Azim, an yashfiyah. As'alullah al-Azim, Rabbal Ash al-Azim, an yashfiyah. Rasulullah said, whoever recites this dua upon the sick person seven times, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant him shifa from every sickness except for death. What is the difference between mu'minun and mu'minin marfu' versus majroor? I was saying is that when you say suratul mu'minun, you do not say suratul mu'minin, you still say suratul mu'minun, even though surah is mudaf and al-mu'minun is mudaf ilayh. And the reason you don't say mu'minin and you say mu'minun is because mu'minun is an alam. It is a specific uh, noun, uh, which is the specific name of this surah, and it does not change uh, condition. It doesn't change from marfu' to mansub to majroor. The actual name is uh, mu'minun, so you'll keep it like mu'minun when saying suratul mu'minun. What seerah book do you, uh, uh, to develop the love for Rasulullah There are alhamdulillah a lot of great books that are available. You can go downstairs in the bookstore, there's a whole seerah section there. Um, I would su- suggest that read those books that focus on the stories of Rasulullah's life and not necessarily just focused on the, um, the wars. 
and the expeditions that he participated. If you read a seerah book that focuses on Rasulullah's character and akhlaq, that is how you're going to build a love for him. For example, As Shama'il al Kubra, five volumes, short, simple, is translated in English, Shama'il al Kubra, that goes through the Sunnah life of Rasulullah like day to day. How did he eat? How did he drink? How did he wake up? How did he go to bed? You know, how was his life at home? How was his life with his sons, with his, with his, sorry, with his grandkids? How was his life with the spouses, with, his, with, the, with the ummah? So reading through that, you'll get a very good description of the life of Rasulullah and you'll also learn how to uh, inculcate that within your life and inshallah, the mahabba of Rasulullah will also come into, come into our life. How, how to bring love of Islam into an eight-year-old um, and how to it, it talk about you know, current day issues. So the way, the way to bring love of deen into anyone's heart is to give them... Um, Environment. That's it. You, less talking and bring them to the environment. When they come to the environment, inshallah, like here or any other masjid, they have a program for kids. Uh, they, like we here, we have a Sunday school program, we have a maktab program, etc. When they see ki- and when when you when you bring fun with the deen, <clears throat> and uh, they they feel appreciate, they feel that they are being appreciated, and um, the, the uh, deen is being presented to them in a loving environment, inshallah the mahabba of deen will fall into their heart. So definitely reading good books is beneficial. Reading the stories of the sahaba is beneficial. But make it, a, make it a habit to bring them to the masjid as often as possible. Are the tafim class only live or recorded? Both. They're both they're live as well as, as recorded inshallah for those who need that. If my heart desires to achieve a certain level of wealth, is that wrong? At what point is this contagious to me Islamically? You, well, you have to ask yourself, what do you want to achieve this wealth for? You ask yourself, what is the reason you want to achieve this wealth? If the intention is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a very specific manner, not that let me just get the money, then I'll figure it out. <laughs> no. What do you want to do it? What do you, and I also want you to understand that you don't need to achieve wealth to please Allah. Okay? So don't think that in order to please Allah, I have to. But there's nothing wrong with it if the intention is very clear cut that I feel so bad that my parents have such a difficult life, I want to buy this for them. My grandparents have such a difficult life, I want to do this for them. In order to do that, I need to have this much money. So now you're focused. So that's fine. That this is a goal that you have in there. But keep on asking Allah, allow Allah, oh, oh Allah, allow the money to just touch my hands and not my heart. Right? Because they say money is dirty. Dollar bills are so filthy and dirty. And you have to wash your hands after you touch it. But I swear, it's, it has a much long-lasting effect and more filth and dirt on the heart than it does on the hands. And we don't usually think about it. So just keep on asking Allah, do not allow the love for that to enter the heart, inshaAllah. Let us do some dhikr before we conclude the dua. Allahu Akbar. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 
That istighfar card that you have, I forgot to mention that this is for you to take more for home, get your children involved, get your siblings, spouses involved. Inshallah, make a goal of doing as much as so far we have next two weeks, we have a goal of reaching 25 million from the community. You have a QR code where you can go online and deposit however much istighfar you have done. There is a istighfar deposit box in the lobby. 
So if you are a local who come here for salah or next week, you can fill it up once you've done that, equal, that card that you have equals for 5,000. Each box represents 100. Fill it up and bring it back next week and give it to your children. Get them to do it as well. This would be a huge success for us if every member of our household is doing a few thousand istighfar per week. Inshallah, we will immediately start seeing the benefits of it in our families. I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make you and I from amongst those who, rep- who excessively repent on a daily basis. And Nabi alayhi salatu said, Man lazim al-istighfar, whoever holds on to istighfar, whoever does it profusely, three gifts Allah will give him. Number one, Allah will give him an opening and a respite out of every depression and sadness he's going through, every worry. Number two, Allah will give him an exit out of every tight spot he has found himself in. Number three, Allah will provide him sustenance from places where he has never imagined. So all three needs of this will be fulfilled if we, inshallah, do istighfar. Profusely. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma anta salamun kassalamu tabarakti adal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma lakal hamdu kullu wa lakal shukru kullu. Allahumma laa nuhsi thana'an alayka anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum ya ahad al-samad al-lazhi lam yarid wa lam yurad wa lam yukullahu kufuwan ahad. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad salatan tunjina biha min jameel ahwari wal afat wa taqdilana biha jameel hajat wa tatahiruna biha min jameel sayyat wa tarfa'una biha indaka ala darajat wa taballiwana biha aqsal ghayat min jameel khayrati fil hayati wa ba'da al-mamat innaka ala kulli shayin qadir Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum ikhfir lana dhunubana wa israfana fi amnina wa thabbit aqdamana wa nsunna ala qawmin kafirin Allahumma rabbin hamhum akma rabbayani saghira Allahumma rabbin hamhum akma rabbayani saghira Allahumma rabbin hamhum akma rabbayani saghira la ilaha illa an subhanak inni kutu min al-zalimin la ilaha illa an subhanak سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل على الله توكلنا الله منك عفو كريم تحب العفو فعفو عنا اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين وانصر المستضعفين من المسلمين في كل مكان اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم افتح مسامع قلوبنا لذكرك اللهم افتح مسامع قلوبنا لذكرك اللهم افتح مسامع قلوبنا لذكرك والله we ask you to accept this gathering oh Allah all those who are listening online or those who are listening on site those who listen afterwards. Oh Allah, make it easy for all of us to be able to inter- put into practice whatever khayr and good has been shared. Oh Allah, any good that we have been able to achieve till today and any good we will ever do in the future, it is only through your grace. Oh Allah, whatever mistakes we have made, we, we take blame for it. We take responsibility for it. But we ask, we beg you that you forgive us for our mistakes, both major and minor. Those that were done by day and those that were done at night, those that were done individually, those that were done collectively, those that we did knowingly, those that we did unknowingly, those that we did, that we've repented from before and those that we've never repented from before. Those that we regarded as a sin and those that we never regarded as a sin. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us forgiveness from any and all types of mistakes and sins. Those that are committed by our eyes, those that are committed by our ears, those that are committed by our tongue, those that are committed by our hands and feet and by heart, by our mind, by our stomach and by our private parts. Oh Allah, grant us forgiveness from any and all mistakes and disobedience that we have committed, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, any transgression that we have done, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant us forgiveness for that. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us istiqamah and steadfastness on our tawbah. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us steadfastness us in our tawbah. Grant us steadfastness in our tawbah. O oh Allah, grant us the ability, the means, the right, the right environment, the right friends, the right circle, the right, Ya Allah, uh, group of, of friends that will allow us to remain steadfast in our sins, uh, away from our sins. That will mean, allow us to remain steadfast on, 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 our, on your obedience. O oh Allah, grant us all the asbab and the means that are required for us to lead a new life. O oh Allah, 
grant all of us a very clear, distinct ability uh, to understand our own goals. Allow us to have our mission, our vision, and our goals set out in life. Oh Allah, please allow, save us from having any type of confusion with regards to this. Grant us certainty, grant us clarity with regards to our mission and vision in this world. And allow it to be a con- in con- in a consistent with the mission and vision that your Prophet ﷺ brought to us and showed us, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow all of us to lead a life that is in accordance to the teachings and the sunnah of the Prophet O oh Allah, fill our hearts with your love and the love of the Rasulullah and the love of the Sahaba, the love of the Quran, the love of the Sunnah, the love of the pious of the past and the pious of today. O oh Allah, and the love of such actions which will make us worthy of your love. O oh Allah, we ask you, we beg you that you love us. We beg you that you love us and make us worthy of your love through such good deeds, Ya Allah, that you want us to do. O oh Allah, grab us by our forelock and force us and lead us to lead a life that is that is pleasing to you. O oh Allah, bring Sunnah in every aspect of our life. O oh Allah, bring Mahabba and love between the parents and the children, between spouses, between siblings, Ya Allah, between relatives, between neighbors, O oh Allah, remove any and all misgivings, misunderstandings, infighting that is taking place and that are ravaging through our homes. O oh Allah, all those marriages that are falling apart, O oh Allah, we ask you, we beg you, Ya Allah, to bring them together, Ya Allah. Do not allow shaitan to have a share in these marriages, Ya Allah. And O oh Allah, those who are not married yet, Ya Allah, allow them all to be able to work on their self-improvement, to work on their own nafs, to work on their own soul. And then Ya Allah, through, through the barakah of that, allow them, each one of us, each was, who is of not, who is not married to find such a spouse that will become a, a gateway to Jannah in this world. Oh Allah, that will become a spiritual buddy, that will become a best friend of theirs. Oh Allah, they'll bring immense happiness to them, Ya Allah. All those parents who are looking for their children and all those young men and women, whether they're men married previously or not, Oh Allah, who are looking to get married, Oh Allah, provide for them the best avenues and the best places for them to find. Oh Allah, Oh Allah, we ask you to open up the doors of halal for us and close the doors of haram. Make it easy for all of us to remain chaste, make it easy for all of us to remain chaste, make it easy for all of us to remain far away from haram. O Allah, close the doors of haram. Even if we extend our hand to it, allow our hands not to reach it, Ya Allah. Even if we plan to do it, if we, even if we walk towards it, allow those huge walls to come between us and, the, and haram. O Allah, be it haram of the eyes, haram of the ears, or haram of financial transactions, or haram of the tongue, wherever it may be, however it may be, with whomsoever it may be, allow us to be disconnected from such individuals, Ya Allah. O Allah, grant us a, a nur of the iman, grant us a revival of the iman in our hearts. O Allah, grant us the sixth sense to be able to distinguish, Ya Allah, right from wrong in this this very confusing era. Allah grant us a sixth sense to be able to figure out and to be able to see from very far the plots and the ploys of shaitan. And oh Allah, the preparations of Dajjal. Oh Allah, and all the various Dajjali, shaitani, fitan that are raging around us. Ya Allah, grant us the sixth sense to be able to sense all of that, to be able to see it clear, as clear daylight. O oh Allah, and then to allow us to warn ourselves and our family members from these fitan, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant us the sweetness of the Qur'an. Ya Allah, grant us the ability to recite the Qur'an profusely with Ramadan. Ya Allah, with just two months away, allow us all to be prepared to receive it well. And O oh Allah, grant us all a long life that will allow us to witness the month of Ramadan and, 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 and many more Ramadans after that as well. O oh Allah, wherever the ummah throughout the globe is going through any type of financial, spiritual, emotional, mental difficulty, we ask you, Ya Allah, that you grant them all respite, grant them all shifa, grant them all ease, grant them all comfort, and remove any and all difficulty that the ummah is going through. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wa salamun ala mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen, ameen, ameen. Please enjoy the tea on the way out, and make dua for the students who will prepare uh, that. May Allah bless them and reward them. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.